Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com/people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction. And free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hello, I'm Mayhem. Hello, I'm Chaos. And our happiness is egg-shaped. Happiness is egg-shaped. It loves a circle with no end. No, 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 Hello and welcome to the Happiness Is podcast with me, your host, Bruce Aitchison, for another In the Samurai series of podcasts. We've spoken to the top man, Terry Sands. We've spoken to Geezer, Mike Friday. We spoke to the ball of energy, Carlin Isles. And now we have a Sevens living legend. This man has done it all. And he's speaking to us from sunny Australia, where he is in lockdown at the moment, but he has given up his time to chat to me, and I am very excited. We have already had a long chat off screen. Is there anything this man hasn't done? He's done it in Hong Kong. I was there. I got to witness it, and he is part of a very select team in Hong Kong that I am keen to hear all about. Samurai Rugby has played a role in his development, and I am excited to hear all about it. This is the one and the only Mr. Ben Gollings. Hello, sir. Bruce, how are you? Thank you. I am very excited. I'm hugely honoured. This is brilliant to have you with us. Not a problem. It's exciting to be on the on the podcast and 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 talking about samurai actually, which is uh, which I'm you know we're going to divulge into. But it's an interesting topic. Well, on my little bit of research that I did, you played sevens at school. And we're pretty successful. Now, thinking back to Sivens at school, we're not too far away in age, although you look a good 10 years younger than me. Sivens was kind of that thing tagged on the end of a 15s season and coaching of Sivens then was really just, is there a fast guy you can throw it to and hopefully get some space? So what was it like playing Sivens at school and having early success? 
a bit like you explained it to be honest with you. Yeah, well, I, I went to school in uh, in Dorset, uh, Camford, and we weren't a well-known kind of rugby school, but we 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 played fifteens on on the circuit there. But then that the one year the uh, the master decided to put us into the Rosin Park Sevens, which wasn't wasn't a usual occurrence for us. And uh, I think all the planets aligned for us. We we had quite a good seven, uh, a good mix, and. We just seem to keep winning games as you go through the two or three days. And then we ended up playing one of our big rivals um, in the final and winning it. And, you know, ultimately, yeah, there was absolutely no structure or kind of game plan. It was it was just keep ball passed around and get it to the quick guys and run. So I was I was one of those back then. <laughs> so uh, and that for me really kind of springboarded uh, what was what was to be. But um, a fantastic memory. And uh you know, I think that tournament in itself's gone from strength to strength, hasn't it? So, yeah, it was it was very different back then as to what it is now. And you can't possibly have been able to look into a crystal ball and seen what was to come for you and for Sivens. No, I mean, what would I? I was still pretty young when we won it because I was playing up in the seniors. I think I was around sixteen, just going seventeen. So that that age group prior to your senior years, and um, it was just it was just all unexpected. Uh, you know, rugby really only just started going professional in the 15s world and I remember after the tournament kind of being hit up by a couple of I guess what you'd call scouts back then they were probably the the, the academy managers and they said you know would you be keen and I was like absolutely but I, I'm still at school and only young they're like yeah we'll come and contact you again in a, in a year or so's time and so that again that really did kind of start the ball rolling for me and sevens not that I would have thought sevens would have played such a big part I guess it all started there and has played a big part right from the word go. And you leave school with the ambition of becoming a professional rugby player? Well, I actually kind of went semi-professional in my last year. So I I went, um, I got a contract with Gloucester. And so in my last year at school, I would travel between home and Gloucester. And I never actually made like a first team debut back then. I played in the second team and I played a lot for the Colts. However, when I did finish school I, I i decided to take up the contract with harlequins it was a bit i guess a bit more local to me and and, and uh it was a fresh start so i started there and i literally the day school finished i packed my car up and drove to london to join to join harlequins which you know at the time was a dream come true for me and also to be surrounded with some of the players that were in that side at the time it was just i was kind of a bit a bit awestruck and <laughs> took me a while to adjust but it was certainly a good experience and there wouldn't really be people to tell you how it how it would happen because professionalism was fresh then. Yeah, it really was. I mean, it was not. There was there was there was kind of you had your cult set up as it were, but they were very still very amateurish. The cult setups. It was really your your first team squads that were that were the professional ones. So for me, it was yeah, it was it was going from a small pond into a big pond, but then quite a deep one really. When you know. 18, 19 years old, you're running around with the likes of Zinzan Brook and Keith Wood and Jason Leonard. And I think even Will Carling was still in the squad at the time. So I was kind of like, okay, <laughs> I watched you guys playing a lot of rugby on the TV and now I'm here running around with you. But I think, you know, it's, it is different. And now there's, there's a bit more of a process, but I, I wouldn't change it. I think I, I certainly grew up pretty quickly, put it that way. <laughs> Were you brave enough to speak to Zinzan Brook? Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, we had, I remember it was myself and another player, a, a hooker. And I remember in one training session, we were one of the early training sessions and it was a contact session. And I think we were doing a bit of two on one or one on one. And 
this young hooker's gone and dummied Zinni <laughs> and run through and said, Zinni, if you don't, Zinni, he was just the most competitive trainer, which was obviously why he was such a good player on the field. And the next one, he just pointed at him and he goes, I've got you and absolutely demolished him. <laughs> you know, there's no taking that dummy twice. So I, was, I was like, yeah, I'm going to stay friends with you and avoid you at all costs. <laughs> just a, a, a mountain of a guy. But yeah, I mean, someone to learn off in terms of uh, how to play the game. And what what did you learn from guys like Zinzanbrook, Keith Woods, Jason Leonard that you that was helpful when you became that more experienced player and a young kid comes into the group? I think I think the, the great thing about it was that they, they grounded you, you know. There was there was a bit of that old schoolism, but it wasn't a, a kind of a bullyish side of things. It was it was teaching you traits that you needed to grasp early on, which was, you know, in every training session, train hard make sure you're putting in more effort than anybody else. And then from the likes of, you know, Zinni in particular, he he was just somebody who would never let a ball land on the floor. He'd be doing goalkeeper dives to make sure he he let a ball stay off the floor. And you just saw that kind of commitment and and uh, competitiveness come out. And and Keith as well. I mean, Keith was brilliant. I was I was known as the little Smurf to, to Keith. <laughs> um, but again, just somebody who, you know, not just by what he said, but by the actions he took, you know, body on the line and, and, and the skills he produced. And then Jason's, you know, Jason was pretty had many years with Jason and just the ultimate professional in terms of how dedicated and disciplined he, he was to, to keep himself in the, in the condition he needed to, to play the game for as long as he did. So, you know, I was, I was really fortunate to, to rub shoulders and learn off those guys. So the ambition then was to play for England at 15s and do great things. Yeah, it, it, it was. You know, I think you you grow up. That's that's one of your big goals. And I, I was really fortunate to kind of jump into the first team quite early and get some runs, and and things started to build uh, quite nicely from there, really. And I uh, I had a goal of of wanting to. I got an England A cap, um, and I was involved in in and around the squad early on in two thousand two thousand three. But uh, an injury kind of provided a bit of a setback, and I I never really kind of kind of made it there you know it was a pretty heavily competed side at the time which I look back and it, it was a, it was a shame in a way but I can't complain with the the journey in which rugby took me on where that was happening and then and then post that really so you get a shoulder tap and you're asked to play sevens what goes through your head then it was really interesting one of the first tournaments I really uh I didn't know what to expect if that made sense so we I think the big the big kind of sevens influence at that time outside of Roslyn Park was we played the Middlesex sevens. And uh, so Quinns, the one year I played with Quinns, we had to um, qualify. So we went and played the qualification and we, we actually, we did really well. We, we killed the qualification and got into the main one. And then in the main one, that was a real step up, a bit of experience in Twickenham as where they used to play. And we came up, I think it may have been in the quarter final against the Penguins, which had the likes of Serevi and Thao Thao and all of these top guns. And we narrowly lost, but you kind of got that little bit of an experience as to what Sevens was like playing some of these guys who who ultimately, I'd say, you know, the likes of Serevi, who was a bit of a specialist at it. But then my next one was, was in France playing with England. And again, another step up, international rugby. And you just... You, you you then rub shoulders with the Samoans, the Fijians, all of those different teams. And it was a, it was a tough, gutsy game back then. You know, we, we only had uh, three substitutes. So two guys would never even strip up. 
and and uh it was physical it was there was you know you look back at it and there was some there was some real physical action a good few kind of altercations and punch ups because there was no love lost between teams um it's all kind of cleaned out now but you know I, I kind of stood there as a youngster just going wow this isn't kind of what i expected but it's quite exciting at the same time i think even geezer was playing at that point as well which is <laughs> was quite cool yeah a lot of people now have only known mike friday as a coach and forget that he was a player because we've got a generation of supporters and, and rugby watchers now who just know Mike Friday as the frowning coach over the top of those glasses. <laughs> yeah. Well, Mike, Mike and I have a, uh, a cool background because we actually, uh, we were, we were roommates uh, with the England sevens team. He was actually captain at the time. He was nine, I was 10. Um, and we then ended up, he ended up moving from uh, Wasps to Quinns as well. So we, we spent quite a bit of time playing, uh, in I would say my early years, his his latter years, prior to then him moving into into coaching. He's, and what was really- what was the relationship like when when he became your coach? Did that change things? Well, I, you know, I think he's the good thing with 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 Mike is he's he's really integral. Um, and you know, you you've got to draw a line between mates and 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 player when it's it's a coach. And he did that he did that really well. You know, he pulled us into line and a few times but uh in general it was a good relationship and um you know i think he we learned a lot from him and he would say he gave us the freedom to play which was good and playing for samurai off camera we were talking about some some of those happy days what was that experience like really good fun actually i think uh what was nice about it back then is you were able to have the seriousness of the 15s which was going professional and then you could go away and play the sevens, which was still, I say amateurish, but it, it, it was, it was serious, but had that fun element to it as well, which is what, what sevens was all about really. And, and that kind of touring element. And um, in the early days that we had some fantastic tours, I think my first one was to Lisbon and we had a cracking squad and uh, I can't actually remember if we won it or not, but I just remember it being a good time and, and bonding well with the players. And then uh, one later on was, was Vegas and, I don't think any of us really knew what we were in for. And we, we got there and um, the sites of Vegas. And then we, we ended up playing the final at 2 a.m. in the morning. <laughs> 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 Which I, you could only do in Vegas, right? Um, and it was just bizarre, yeah, because it was so hot as well. I mean, I, I think we were thankful it was 2 a.m. because it was too hot to play in the day. And where, we, where the fields were, there was like one stick tree and no shade at like 45 degrees. So... But just again, just, just blending that on-field, off-field experience with with a really good group of guys was was a fantastic memory for me, and um, that was the kind of the early days. And then latterly, you know, Terry was Terry was fantastic in um, you know if I needed a tournament to prep myself ready for say playing some of the international stuff with England, he he would provide that opportunity. And I remember playing um, in Darwin. Uh, in what they call the hottest sevens, uh, which was fantastic preparation for me because we went. I went straight from there basically to Wellington, and that year we actually we actually won Wellington. So, you know, just those side of things that we were able to to get involved in the team, and it was a really high level of rugby, which kind of set you up ready for for um, for the for the international side of the game. And I, it's not just myself, but there's been a lot of players that have uh, have been able to enjoy that experience. And it's such a different thing with 
you're with your professional team you spend all week together preparing for performance in an invitational team you meet two three days maybe at best before a tournament what's the dynamic like trying to stick a a game together with guys you might never have met before it was interesting actually but i think at the same token really emulate sevens because in my view sevens is about being adaptable uh, and thinking on the fly pretty quick so but it was great to be able to get you know somebody from new zealand with their experience i remember we had a couple of the kenyan guys come in we'd have a couple of australians we'd have some europeans myself would be in there so we had this great blend and i think the real key was just playing on everybody's strengths so your game plan was based on who was on the field you know so if you had a collins in jira coming on it's like okay well let's play to colin he's on the wing we use his speed you know, if we had a couple of the Fijians on, if they were the forwards in particular, you know, the likes of the Damu Damu, get the ball to him in the kickoff, let's win kickoff. Myself, playmaker in the middle, that type of thing. We, you, then you just start to gel. And, and I, I think the, the good thing is back then you would have a couple of games which you'd be able to just kind of get the, blow the cobwebs out and probably blow a few beers out as well. <laughs> <laughs> and, but I, it, I think it was really good because it, it, it taught you to you know to, to to be tough to tough it out you know to to be resilient and and you know there was there was kind of no excuses you 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 were there to perform so you had to make sure that you know come at the hour you you were on and um i think that was one of the the fun parts about it i love invitational rugby i love how it brings people together and you have to you have to bond quickly otherwise it's it's going to blow up on the field and off the field when you then go somewhere, especially with samurai, I don't know if you do this, but you, you play samurai spotting. He's a samurai. He's a samurai. They're a samurai. They're a samurai. How often have you been in a hotel on that roadshow of World Series in a ho- and you're having a coffee with somebody that maybe you played with in Darwin or you played and you just start harking back to that memory? Uh, many a time, and I think it was good for me. I mean, from my personal perspective, it was really nice because when you're on the road a lot with your own team, it gave you that connectivity with other teams so that post, you know, you've you've, you've been out on the field and, and had a big bash, you post it, you're able to spring up those conversations and, and relate and be able to have those stories and, and enjoy that time as well as what you were doing and being there for, which was the serious stuff in the international rugby. So, yeah, no, I, and I still do. You, you know, I go to Hong Kong every year and I go and watch the 10s and, you go and catch up with Terry and he's there with his tens, but then, you know, half the other teams are full of guys that have all played for, for Samurai and, and know the experience, you know, he's, he's done a fantastic job of, you know, using that team to be a real springboard. And I, I love Hong Kong. I, I, we were talking before I lived there for four years and as a Scotsman arriving in Hong Kong, the first three bloody tournaments I went to England won. <laughs> I might as well be in London as well. Being in Hong Kong and England winning three on the bounce, it was ridiculous. What What's Hong Kong like as a winner? Oh, I think, you know, as a winner and as an Englishman and a winner, it's there, there was kind of, for me, there was nothing that really beat it in sevens. I've got to be honest. It was, you know, we, we won many other tournaments that all had their own flavour, but that one was particularly special. You know, there was, there was a huge expat support, which... To be honest with you, I never really realised until I went there for the first time and played. Um, but it, 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 they, every one of those wins is is pretty special. And, you know, the crowd are fantastic. 
And I think when you see that crowd, when there's been an English win, it's just up another notch or another level. I mean, even the Fijians, they get involved and there's a whole lot of respect for it. But yeah, it's the one place that I I, uh, have to say, one, I enjoyed winning there and two, I, I remember them greatly. And the whole week builds up to, uh, we used to have, it was called the Country of Origin Tournament on the Sunday before, where we all went to Aberdeen and played for our countries of origin thrown together. And then you had the Kowloon Tens, which was a social one, the the Football Club Tens, which you've already said. And being at the Football Club Tens, having played in it and coached in it, it's a bloody high standard. And it's great when you see the guys who are playing at the weekend they're there strolling around. Did you do a bit of talent spotting when you were there? Yeah, I mean, I, I think a lot of teams have pulled players from out of the tens and not just in sevens, but in fifteens as well. I mean, it wasn't just talent spotting. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. From an England perspective, we used to use it to actually look at players, give players a run and an opportunity that were close to the side. You know, and you, if if at all you had any injuries, then that person could pretty much be brought straight in. And it, I remember playing for Samurai a while after I retired in the tens, and I got to say, <laughs> it was no, it was no mugs game. I mean, it was pretty ferocious to say the least. And I think again, it's one of those games that's really developed. It's. Uh, you know, it's, it's pretty cool. But again, it, it's just the atmosphere it creates. It's such a fun, enjoyable party type atmosphere that's 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 really hits the right notch. Um, and so, yeah, I, I get down there quite a lot now. And I think players quite like using it to be able to go and switch off in the week and just go and watch a bit of rugby, catch up with a few friends before they or again, they get into the into the serious stuff. The last time I was there, Nate Ebner was playing for Samurai when he was making his his play for Sevens. And it was funny because he was almost anonymous. You know, if if that had been in a, a small town in America, people would have mobbed him. But he was there playing for Samurai out of his normal environment. But it was awesome to see him there. And, you know, the, the Fijian team were floating around uh, Osea Colin Sao was there wandering around. The Fijian boys were there. And it having that, I think you used the word connectivity. Although you were stars, you were quite approachable. You were within reach of us normal people. <laughs> yeah, look, I, I think that's the beauty of, of Hong Kong and, and in particular Sevens. But there is that blend. I mean, you go to Hong Kong on the, on the week of Sevens and it's the who's who of rugby. You know, you've got you know, I think I walked into one box and Richie McCaw and Dan Carter were in there. Like I had no idea until I'd been in there. But 
you know, they're all there enjoying what it is. But again, like you say, very approachable. It's like it, it just provides actually an opportunity for players to be able to go there and relax and enjoy the environment. And I think the the, the fans strike a good good chord as well because they're there to enjoy themselves. I know the players are there to enjoy themselves. So it's a it's a really good it's a really good mix. And and you get that at the tens and the sevens. Well, primarily all the tens just roll into the sevens post yeah. their post their final game. I think so. Oh, it's um, it's a great blend that they have there, and I I did the Kowloon tens as well, and that's that's just another level of socialism. It's quite good fun. <laughs> yeah, that's my club, mate. Kowloon, that's my that's my club. Yeah, <laughs> but I'm still Bentos has promised he's going to play in that, but he's never actually made it for for reasons we won't go into now. Uh, now Hong Kong is a special place for you, and you're you're going to be too humble, so I'm going to bring it up. You are in the Hong Kong Magnificent Seven. So when Hong Kong had its 40th anniversary, they picked the all-time best seven. And there's one Englishman in it, and it's you. How massive an honour was that? Huge. Huge, huge and, and, and I have to say, really unexpected. Um, and I think you just have to look at the other names in that list. And for me... Um, I think it was mainly was probably the only other Northern Hemisphere player in it as well. So um, it, it was really special, and to be kind of held in the regard of, of the, the the other guys that were there, Alomu, uh, Serevi, uh I think it was. Um, right, I'm not going to I'm not going to embarrass you. I'll tell you the team. So let's Rambo. look at these names. We've got Ben Gollings along with we've got Christian Cullen, Eric Rush, and John Olomu. Wait, I mean, if you're picking a sevens team, absolutely. David Campisi, who, if that's Bill McLaren's all-time favourite player, he's got to be in there. Serevi, and then Johnny Jang, who was China's best ever sevens player, rapid, quick, could kick, could distribute off both hands. Johnny was a class act, and Ben Gollings. Do you pinch yourself on moments like that? I, I, I do, and I also pinched myself when I was there standing next to them. You know, I... I got to play against most of them. There was a few, I, there was two or three that I didn't. Um, but yeah, to be able to to be able to catch up, to talk, to walk around the stadium, to hear them share their stories of their Hong Kong's experiences was just was just fantastic for me. And um, you know, it is it was a very proud proud moment for, for myself and one one I will remember. And you know, I I, I got to thank Hong Kong and, and what Hong Kong is for the for the fantastic memories that were created there over a decade plus of, of playing rugby. And I think I've only missed a couple since as a spectator, which has been quite good too. Uh, yeah, I bet you've got some memories there. But I, I don't think anything kind of, for me, uh, you know, a special moment to, to jump in there was in 2006. Um, and we we uh, were going neck to neck with, with, with Fiji in the final. And the last play of the game is ridiculous, but I ended up, being there at the right time, right place, right time to score the try. Uh, then realising I still had the kick to go. And I think there's no special moment when when I just, I didn't I didn't hesitate. I just stepped back and bang that kick. Um, and you just, the beauty is you get to kick it into the south stand. And there's probably no, there's, there's no other stadium or stand quite like it in the world, to be honest with you. I think in any other sport. And you just you just see them. You see jugs of beer going everywhere, costumes going everywhere, and you know. It's, again, for me, it's a picture that'll stay in my mind for a long time. But 
again, it's, it wasn't just the winning. It was just seeing that moment as well, which emulates what Hong Kong is. Uh, I, I love how you've already, you mentioned Lisbon. You remember it, you loved it, but you can't remember if you won. And that's <laughs> that's been a theme. Whenever I've spoken to anyone, we make this big deal about winning. But actually, if I was to ask you the results of games you played in, I bet you can only remember three, four, maybe half a dozen at the most, but you'll have hundreds of memories from these things. The, one of the questions I've always wanted to ask, having been, I lived in Hong Kong, I was involved in the Sevens, I was actually a sighting commissioner one year, um, but I've stood in the South Stand when you've come round and you've had to warm up in that tiny little space in front of the South Stand. How on earth do you concentrate with that going on behind you? <laughs> I, I, to be honest with you, I think, again, it's one of the fun things. It, it's something that kind of relaxes you in a way because, you know, the, the Hong Kong Seven Stadium is a bit of a cauldron. It's a pressure cooker when you're out on the field. But it's quite nice to you, – you're focused in your warm-up. But then just to be able to take that breather and, and kind of absorb it, just uh, for me, I, I quite enjoyed it. It relaxed it and you, you kind of do a bit of sightseeing and, and, and see if you see anyone in the crowd. And, I mean, it was, it, was, uh, it was brilliant. You know, I remember warming up in the 2002 – um, uh, final, uh, it was belting down with rain and we were at that far end and you got, by that time, you really didn't need to warm up. I think we were just stretching on the, on the metal handrail balustrades, just kind of taking in the, the whole site. So it was just hilarious just seeing some of the, some of the sites as well, the jokes. And you know, I can turn around to a couple of the players and said, look, I think, you know, we're ready. We're warm. This, these guys, have, these guys have set us up nicely. So it's, I think it's just great fun, and it's it's always done in in good taste. And, and some of the things that are are said as they as you're walking around are hilarious. <laughs> yeah, I'm not going into too much detail with some of it, but yeah, it's uh, it yeah, is fantastic. It's, it's actually one thing where I've never actually set foot in the South Sand myself. <laughs> oh, really? All right. Any anybody in Hong Kong that's listening to this, I'm sending this straight to Robbie McRobbie. That has to be rectified. As soon as the Simmons is back up and running, Ben Gollins in the South Stand. Uh, yeah, I've not I've not done it. Um I know I've got to, but I think I'd definitely get in a in fancy dress to blend in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Full England kit and people will go, yeah. Who do you think you are? Who, who do you who are you? <laughs> in disguise. <laughs> now, I, I spoke to Geezer about this and, and I've spoken to other Sivens coaches about this in the 15s game there's maybe a team of coaches and management and support staff and you're in the same place and you have a base and the relationship is is unique to that situation you then travel around the world where you're on flights and in hotels um, airports a lot you're then in the same hotel as all the other teams the relationship with the coach and the player in a seven squad is quite different purely in even if we just look at, at at numbers there's 13 players to one coach so the ratio is much smaller how do you see that as how how important is that has there been any moments where you've you've needed them to be more than just your coach uh, definitely yeah i think there's um in my experiences, the, the 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 sevens atmosphere is how would you say it? it's a lot more um, personal, not the right word, but it's it's very close knit, and it's it has to be. You live, sleep, and eat and breathe in each other's pockets for a long time. Like 
not to say you'd get a similar atmosphere when you go and do the 15s element on a tour base, but it's very different to your normal regular your regular rugby. And I think it was really important to have that um, ability to have that player-coach relationship, but then also in other environments, it's almost like friend and player relationship as well. And, you know, the one I experienced very early on who I thought did a, did, did a really great job with that was Joe Lydon. Um, he was a fantastic people's person, players person, and he really struck that that chord really well with us as players. Um, and I really enjoyed that kind of, I say, you say intimate side of, of knowing your coach that well, uh, as well as kind of the coach that would then be there trying to get you ready for for tournaments. And I, I do think there is a, there is a subtle difference because, as I said, you, you're you're with each other so much more of the time and in a small environment. You you. You, you've really got to have that open, honest relationship, and um, I think it's a, it's two ways. So, you know, I, I, I quite like that about the the, the sevens environment. Um, and it's not just to say with the coach. I think got to over the years got to really know well the managers, the physios, and and uh, and, and, and those others type within the small management group that would come in and be a part of our be a part of our group I, re- I really i really enjoy that and and now as a coach i have to make sure as well that i do the same thing and you, you've got a line but there is that real openness and kind of um, an, an enjoyable side with it and how much do you love coaching i love it actually it's been um you know i learned you learn so much as a player you think you you know what you need to be doing as a coach but the coaching is a completely different journey right <laughs> and um you know, I've, I've, I've learned so much from being a coach and, and some of the teams I've coached. And uh, the challenge is, is fantastic. And, you know, again, performance and everything else aside, just working with different people and seeing them develop, seeing them grow, seeing, seeing how you can have a positive impact and influence on their lives has been, has been amazing, you know. And one of the ones that was, for me, was just completely... Uh, left wing was when I coached the Chinese team and the women's side in particular, like, you know, language barrier, culturally so different, but just learned so much off them and had a completely different fun experience to what you would do if you were with, with a different side. And you, your life has taken you to a heap of different countries to play, but you've been in Sri Lanka, you worked in the USA, you've been in Japan, you're in Aussie, New Zealand, China, where's home <laughs> good question uh, i certainly know one thing covid's taught me i miss traveling <laughs> <laughs> uh, look, i think home, home is always uh it will be the uk but um i think with my time in rugby both as a player and as a coach one of, one of the things i've been very fortunate with it has been that ability to, to travel and to to live and experience the, the different cultures and what rugby has to offer. And, um, you know, blessed in terms of the experiences I've had. I, I went to Sri Lanka and, you know, I had no idea about kind of the rugby history that was there. You know, you think Sri Lanka cricket. And I went there and, you know, they're getting like 10,000 people to watch a game, a school game of rugby. And if you find out they've had a hundred plus year history of, of playing rugby, which is, I would never have known if I hadn't have had that opportunity to go there. And, you know, similarly in China, although it's seen as a very new sport, there's still a lot of rich history within the Chinese element 
of, uh, of of rugby. Hong Kong obviously talks to that in terms of the expat side of it. Um, and the US was was fantastic. And it's it's great to see really where the US uh, and, and rugby is, you know, where Mike's taken that team, but then with the MLR and seeing how seeing how this rugby's developed in, in these other nations has been has been quite fantastic for me. So you get a phone call from the US or you get a phone call from somewhere come and coach us how much thought goes into it do you jump at the chance or is there is there some well, barriers in the way now well I, I you know obviously my wife and I we have to we discuss it um and kids come into the factor now as they start to grow up you need that stability but I think both her and I love that ability to travel and experience new places so if it makes sense um and it's an opportunity I think you can provide one side of life with with stability and and that side but you can also then provide an experience which is invaluable as well so and almost when the kids are young um then that's uh, that's not such a bad thing although i've got a bit of a spread now from 18 down to would you would you are our baby in uh, jan 2022 so it's gonna be quite exciting <laughs> Good so, grief! You've not wasted any time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, COVID. you had to find something to do during COVID, didn't you? <laughs> <laughs> so, a young player calls you up and and asks you for advice. What do you think about becoming a, a professional sevens player? What would you say to them? I, I would say, what a fantastic opportunity! You know, they're they're even greater now. Uh, as they were when when I was playing, and I think we've just seen that with Tokyo and, and the Olympics, and how amazing sevens is in the Olympics. And you you know, as a player, you you if, if you make the international side of it, you've got a Commonwealth Games, a World Cup, and an Olympics to be involved with, as well as the World Series, which is just growing from strength to strength. But then outside of that, you've got the ability to as I experienced to go and play in all these different countries. And there's, there's a lot of opportunity to bringing up where sevens is, is the main opportunity, which, so if you're really wanting to pursue it, I, I think go for it. Um, it will provide you with a fantastic experience and you'll, uh, you'll have a many lasting memory along the way. And a, a kid calls you up and said, I've, I've been asked to go and play for Samurai. What's your advice? Definitely do it. You know, I think uh, the beautiful thing is everybody's welcome in a samurai jersey, and like anywhere, as long as you, as long as you, you put in the effort, you play well, and I say you play well, you put in the effort, you work hard, and I'm sure that'll lead to playing well. Um, you'll get, you'll get a lot of uh, reward having played with samurai, and I think the great thing about samurai is the respect it's built up over the years, um, and and the credibility it's created. And, and the and also the connectivity so that when you know when you go and play in, in samurai you know people will be watching and if you perform well for samurai that's a springboard to your next opportunity and you know there's plenty of name that's played for samurai and, and and had that springboard provided for them that's a pretty good way to finish <laughs> <laughs> it's almost like terry's been on the phone <laughs> <laughs> well i can't remember all the stats but uh you know there has there really has been and um it provided me with that opportunity and that exposure and that's that that's really all you can ask for in, in that regard 
Awesome. As well as, as well as a really good tour. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They do tours very well, don't they? They do them very well. Ben, uh, I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for giving up your time. It's been an absolute pleasure. And I really hope that I get to speak to you again in future uh, about all things samurai and all sorts of other nonsense when you're able to get on a plane again. Yeah, Bruce, it's been fantastic. Thank you for the opportunity. Awesome. Great to speak to you, Ben. All the best. Cheers. What an absolute legend. And anybody who speaks with so much fondness of Hong Kong is my kind of guy. Ben Collings, done it all for England, done it for Samurai, been all over the world and still has those very, very fond memories of what the game has given him. I hope you've enjoyed listening. If you have, check us out on Apple, Acast and Spotify. You can watch the video on Facebook and YouTube. Leave us a review. Tell your friends. This has been the Samurai Series with me, Bruce Aitchison, your host from Happiness is Egg-Shaped. All the best, and I look forward to speaking to you again very, very soon. Hello, I'm Mayhem. Hello, I'm Chaos. And our Happiness is Egg-Shaped. Happiness is Egg-Shaped. It loves a circle with no end. No, 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 um, happiness is egg shaped and loves a circle with no end. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.